0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Today I won't preach a normal sermon because this is not a normal sermon style. So if you don't mind, I'm going to just share a devotional experience that I had from the Lord with you to see what happened. As you know that I'm looking into the word of um, revelation and the image of Christ, the resurrected Lord, the son of man, the great I am, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was and is and is to come, the victorious one, the one who sits on the throne, the one with the keys of David in his right hand or the one who holds the seven stars, the church, the one who's walking among his church, the first and the last, the firstborn from the dead, all those titles, that Jesus is given in the book of Revelation in the first three chapters, first chapter actually, but it's just unpacked later. And then chapter four, the lion who conquers, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, um, the, the root of David, the offspring of David, and also the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the lamb who conquers everything. You know, those titles really on a morning and a weekend like this, it, it, comes, so, it comes so rich and timely to me to know that this is Christ, the ascended Lord, the one who, who always will reign, who has always reigned and always will reign, who's reconciling all things to himself. And as I was just worshiping this morning and as I was singing um, the, the book of Revelation, as I was singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain, um, you're worthy of it all. As I was singing songs like that, I just, my mind went to, all things are from him and all things are to him, to Colossians chapter one. So I'm going to give you a moment and then I'm going to read for you just a few verses, uh, verse 13 to verse 22. And we have actually, verse 23, we have recently looked at this text in church and I want to encourage you that you just look at it with me again, because this day we're celebrating Christ, the living one, the ever living one, the one who came to end the reign of death, sin and suffering in the world. You know, Adam Corinthians says, became a living being when Christ, when God blew spirit inside of him. But Christ, who rose from the dead, became a life-giving spirit. So let's read about the life-giving mandate of Christ. Colossians 1:13. He has delivered us from the darkness, from the power of darkness, and conveyed us, translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the light of his son, whom we love, in whom we have the redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins and we celebrated that on friday and today we're celebrating this as well that he's the one who who redeemed us like the egyptians were delivered and redeemed the israelites were delivered from egypt redeemed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the light of his son a translation there a powerful saving he saved us delivered us from this domain of death and he says "In of the redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins but again, this day, I want to focus that the death and the resurrection of Christ has so much more to do with the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And the word there, firstborn, as we see in Revelation as well, it speaks of his rank. It speaks of the fact that he's the firstborn son of all creation. He's got the most power. He's got the right and the say over everything that his father has. He shares in all authority and therefore all prestige and all honor. And then verse 15 to to 17 focuses on the fact that he is the firstborn of all creation, the fact that that in him, by him, all things were created, in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, powers, principalities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. So that block speaks of Christ, the firstborn of creation, the one, who holds creation together. He, he runs it like his household. And then we look at the second part. He's the head of the body. East church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And again, we look at this firstborn, the, the one who has the right and the power over everything and everyone that is recreated, that, that in him, shares in his life. He's got preeminence not only over creation, but also over his church and over the new creation. He's the one who is the beginning of his new creation. This is what we celebrate today. That Christ is the one who has the power to redeem us to himself and those, everyone who shares in his eternal life, in his victory over sin and death, in, in this new creation that he is creating, that we are part of that new creation. It speaks about that power and the authority that God has in Christ Jesus speaks about that power and authority that he has over his church and what he does with his church. The firstborn from the dead, that in all things, both in the created world and in his new creation, it says that he has power, preeminence over all things. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, through the peace of the blood of the cross. And this bit speaks about the fact that Christ not only has preeminence over creation, but also over the new creation. Because he not only wants to save souls to himself. Listen, he does not only want to take people to heaven. He does not want to only save individual souls. But it says to reconcile all these things that he created, the visible, the invisible thrones, dominions, powers, principalities. Christ wants to assert his authority over all these things, over nations. Over economic systems, over social systems, political systems, over scientific systems, over everything. He says all things are created by him and for him to serve him. And he wants to reconcile all these things to himself. We're celebrating today that Christ rose from the dead, not simply to save us from the earth which he will destroy. We said this so many times in church the last few months. But he wants to save and to redeem every system. Shaking up like we're experiencing now. Is Christ asserting his power to show what is shakable? Do know that we cannot trust in this, that we can't find Valala, you know, that we can't find heaven in this domain. We can't find some pleasing place here, that Christ wants to save us from this it's a worldly system, to bring us in the system to a place where he himself rules in true shalom, where there's no more death and sickness and disease. And then verse 21 and 22 and 23, our response. So Christ redeemed us through the cross. Christ is preeminent over creation, verses 15 to 17. Christ is preeminent over all of the recreated world, everything that he makes new, that he's the one who ushers in the fullness of the kingdom of God um, in this new creation, the church. And then he says, so your response, Colossian church. Now remember the church in Colossians' primary struggle was with sensuality, materialism and pleasure. Materialism and pleasure. That was the primary struggle of this church. And you can see in chapter 1 verse 28, uh, 28 to 29 in chapter 2 and chapter 3 onwards, you can see that was the primary struggle. The same thing that you and I enticed in, materialism and pleasure, was their struggle. And now you, church, you're struggling. You were once alienated and enemies in your mind by the wicked works Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through the death to present you holy, blameless, above reproach in his sight. He's reconciled you to himself, to his kingdom, that you may be holy, blameless, and above reproach to himself. It's something that Christ is doing. In this shaking, this is what Christ is doing. He's shaking us up that we may be holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. And then he says, verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, if indeed, Colossian church, listen to this warning, if indeed you continue in this faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you've heard, which was preached to every creature of which I, Paul, became a minister. Listen to that. If indeed you continue in this faith, if you continue in this hope, and, and today is all about hope. This the Resurrection Sunday. It's all about hope. It's all about the hope. That we have in Christ Jesus. All about the the, the gospel is a message of hope. That the Lord reigns. See, world struggling over whether it's Herod or whether it's Caesar Augustus in the day when Jesus was on earth himself. Or whether it's in Colossians' time, maybe Nero, maybe just before him someone else. Vespasian was later. And maybe in Revelation was Domitian. Doesn't matter who is the oppressive empire. Doesn't matter what is the oppressive economic or political system that we under the gospel is the fact that christ reigns over this it doesn't matter whether it's the intimidation of the of the government doesn't matter whether it's the seduction of sin and pleasure in this world doesn't matter whether it's the deception of false religion or suffering with now the fallenness in our creation which causes death and sickness and suffering doesn't matter what it is The message is, listen, the Lord is here, and Christ is here to save us from this system, to save us from this. The gospel is a message of hope. It's a message of hope, and and the reason why the gospel is a message of hope is to see that, see, Christ has taken everything, the government, social situation of the Jews in his day, the Roman Empire, the social system system of the Jews in his day, all the forms of sin, suffering, and evil, and violence of this world has brought upon him he suffered it willingly and he died. And see, he rose victorious over that. That he may usher in a domain where there is no more sickness, no more suffering, no more lack, no more poverty, no more fear, and no more tears, Revelation 22 says. Once they usher that in, see, the gospel is a message of hope that this world is passing, that the suffering of this world is passing, and that even in this world we can share in the fullness of the grace and the security of the hope that we have in Christ. The gospel is a message of hope. It's always been a message of hope that Christ reigns in this. And the proof of the hope that we have is the proof of the resurrection, that Christ himself rose from the grave. Now today, I, I chose specifically not to do an apostolic, uh, uh, to do an um, uh, um, apologetic message. I chose specifically not to, to again look at the proof of the fact that Christ has risen from the grave. What's the letters and the gospel and the church through the ages you know, have found and discovered for themselves and all of us who share in the realness of the life that we have in Christ. I chose specifically not to look at that today because I want us to look at, at the warning that he says here. To the letter in Colossians, Paul says, listen, if you hold on to the hope of the gospel, if indeed you hold on to the hope of the gospel, then he says, then we are reconciled with Christ. There's a warning. And the warning was stern for the church in Colossae because the church in Colossae was fighting their sensuality in two ways. One way was said, oh, just go with it, throw it in. Doesn't matter. My spirit cannot, nothing can touch my spirit anyway. What I do with my body stays in my body. My body will fade away. I'm saved in Christ. And secondly, the warning that they try to bring in legalism and other ways to try and you know, hamper down the flesh by flogging themselves or by circumcising themselves, and any of those rituals, any of those extreme ways. And Paul's argument is, you can't do this. As I was looking through the through the the letters to to the church, the seven churches in Revelation, I noticed that Christ's warning to them was the same. Christ revealed himself as the resurrected Son of Man in chapter one, the one who has power over sin, sickness, and, and disease. He revealed himself to As the resurrected one and then to every one of those seven churches it was the same thing to five of those churches there were warnings and the warning is don't steer away from the hope he reveals himself as the great victor the great lord who conquered death in all of them in all of them he showed that listen this is who i am you are suffering at the moment but i am the victorious one and then he says to all of them you should be faithful in your witness to two of to one of them the first one in Ephesus he says listen your heart has grown weary your heart has grown cold your heart your passion for me is faded there was a passion once there was a there was a favor once but at the moment it's 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 fading it's fading there there, there is a your heart is does not love me as much as you did you're doing the same stuff but, but you don't love me anymore maybe it was a just a depressing environment of, of persecution in Ephesus the whole time. Maybe it was the lure of sensuality, which we know the city was filthy in immorality, that harbor city. Maybe it was one of those things. But there was a time when you when you loved Jesus flat out, but now you don't anymore. The two of them, he says that the issue is that you are dead in your pride. Sardis, and that in Thessalonica and the church in Laodicea, it says that that you are arrogant and self-sufficient. You say that you're wealthy. You say that you are rich. You say that you are robed beautifully, that you are in need of nothing. But Christ says you are miserable. Pride. The fact that the materialism and the success that you're tasting has moved you away from, from, from Christ altogether. You're relying on yourself. You think that I've prayed that sinless prayer long, long ago, and it's fine, and therefore my life is fine. But at the moment, you are living exactly like the world. That the accusation those two churches, you're living exactly like the world. You've become like the city that you are in. And you know, I, I take that, I take those warnings serious to myself. I take those warnings very serious to myself. I'm looking at them in the letter to Colossians here. It says that if you hold on, if you hold on to the faith and the hope, Christ is reconciled. If you hold. And this is a beautiful and opportune moment that we're locked down in our homes. You just consider, have how much have I become like my world? Is my love or my reliance on Christ the same as it was? Is my hope of the gospel my core motivator for life? Or have I become this world? Have I tried to make this world heaven like those two churches, Church in Sardis and the Church in Laodicea? Have I tried to build my own heaven here to enjoy everything that I have here and still hold on to Christ because if this world fades, then I'll continue with Him. Two other letters show the danger of compromise. You know, contentment, or not contentment, you know, complacency, your comfort breeds, complacency breeds, compromise, we saw in those two letters. And, and in those two letters, Teatara and the other one, Pergamon, we see in those, both those two letters that the issue is that they've amalgamated their faith in Christ in such a way to allow that some teaching or some truth, some, some, some principle to say that yes, I can hold on to Christ, but at the same time, I'm going to enjoy the sensuality that this world offers me. I'm going to enjoy it because I am secure in Christ. My salvation is secure. And hey, I can't distance myself too much. I want to enjoy the pleasures of this world. And he speaks there of immorality in both those two. So, thinking of Jezebel, who led his people into immorality, Baal, who led his people into morality, or Nicolathians who led his people to think that they strive after the same power structures and prestige structures that this world offers. And to both those churches, the warning is the same here. He says, listen, hold on to Christ because, he says here, if indeed you hold on to Christ and hold on to the hope. And this is what I want to say in those seven letters, same as Colossians. The core issue is, what do you hope for? And this is what what I'm asking myself this morning. I'm asking, in which way does my life Reflect that I'm hoping for heaven, hoping for that that Christ's kingdom comes to earth, hoping for that moment when the fullness of Christ's glory and His peace and His righteousness is is tramples the foot every other kingdom, every other lie, every other deception, delivers us from the temptation and the seduction and the and the oppressive and deceptive nature that that we experience of Satan in this world. Those three things always: intimidation, power pleasure and seduction and the next one the last one is the the false religion deception trying to lure us away from god in which way does my life reflect that i'm actually holding on to something that i'm holding on to a better kingdom in first corinthians chapter 15 which is where i wanted to go this morning in my prayer time and in in this time as well in first corinthians chapter 15 paul says listen guys Church in Corinthians, you, you struggle with your immorality, you struggle with deception, you struggle with everything else that this world struggles, like we always do, like every one of the letters in the Bible. And those first six verses, first actually nine verses, he unpacks the gospel in saying the gospel that was once for all delivered to us is this First Corinthians chapter 15. First of all, that Christ Jesus died for our sins starts, the gospel starts on Good Friday. According to the scriptures, that he was buried, and then that he rose again on the third day, the resurrection day that we're celebrating today, according to the scriptures. And then he continues to say that he ascended into heaven, we he mediates for us. when one day when he returns again, he will judge the world in righteousness. When we celebrate resurrection today, we're celebrating the fact that Christ is the firstborn of his creation, that that, he, that we too, that he says later in the scriptures there, that we have the certainty that we, can, we will rise again because Christ has rose again. That our sins are forgiven because Christ rose again, because he broke that power. We can be sure of that. We can be sure of that. He's got a beautiful argument in that chapter. But then again, he gets here to this verse that I just want to read for us. Um, he gets to verse 19. Which is my challenge this morning for me and for you, verse 19. He says here, if in this life only we hope in Christ, we of all men are most pitiable. And what he's saying, he's saying, if we hold on to Christ, that one day maybe he'll save us. But but we we like so many contemporary Christians, and like like I'm tempted, like you're tempted to do to read the Bible for what God can do for me today. He's saying, if that is all we do, if we only read the Bible for what Jesus can do for me and you today, what he can do through us and for us, he's saying, we of all pity people are to be pitied more than all the others. What he means is this. He's saying that in this world, this world offers pleasure and power and seduction. And so many of us are wise and strong economically and we're strong in our intellect and positioning in this world, we, we are the, the pleasured ones. We are the top of society in our world. And Paul is saying like he was in his day, if this is all, if I live with everything that I can have for myself today, and that's it, if the gospel only gives it, then we of all people are more pitied because it says then we can't, we might as well sin and enjoy the fullness of pleasure here because that's all you're going to enjoy. But he's saying this, and his argument is this, He says, look at my life, guys. Church, look at your life. We are the ones that say that it's wrong for us to please ourselves. That the gospel says, don't please yourself, but please others, please God. The gospel life demands a life of sacrifice, the way of the lamb that we saw on Friday when we read through Revelation chapter 5. The way of life is the way of the lamb, the way of the gospel. Do not seek my own pleasure, but do lay my life down in service to him like Christ did. And serve his church. And that's the invitation to us. He's saying, but if I, Paul, live like this, if I lay my life down for the gospel and everything, and there is no resurrection, he says, I am to be pitied more than anyone else in this world. Verse 31, he says, speaking about his boasting for you, he says, listen, guys, let's be blunt. I die Every single day to myself, to my own pleasures, I deny myself and I pick up my cross daily because that's what Jesus called me to do. I'm doing it every single day. He says, listen, you remember that time that I battled the beast in Ephesus and whether he was speaking, battled the beast in Ephesus spiritually or actually whether he faced some persecution with wild animals like they did in those days for the Christians. He says, we don't know that, but he says, listen, I I did that. But some of you are saying, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. He warns us to say that evil company corrupts good habits. I'm not going to read through the whole chapter. It's too long. It's a full 58 verses. But this is what I want to get from that chapter. And when we look at the church in Colossians, saying that if you hold on to the gospel. This is my challenge for me and you today during this time of lockdown. To evaluate our life in the light of those seven churches, maybe in Revelation or just the letter of Colossians, so you can take it either one of the other ones. To evaluate your life and to, say, to ask yourself the question. Paul says that it's quite clear that I die every single day because I hope in the gospel. Paul says that uh, I have fought the beast and Ephesus and he's saying, I'm not going to please myself and just live a merry, peaceful life and enjoy my food and my drink and my clothing because I can afford it during this time of lockdown and outside the time of lockdown. Paul says, I deny myself so many privileges because I devote my life and everything that I have in pursuit of my calling. And his calling and your calling and my calling is to witness the kingdom of God. And this is my question. The hope that Paul had was that Jesus' kingdom is coming. So therefore, it's fine for me to deny myself here. And people may laugh and mock me, but they're going to go like, well, that's strange. You deny yourself things which you can have for yourself. You're not living like I'm living. Why? And he says, "Well, Peter says, give a reason for the hope that you have. And the reason for Paul's hope, he says, guys, because Jesus is coming. I'm laying up for myself treasures in heaven, where moth and rust can't destroy it. I'm living a life in service of Jesus, my King." And he will reward me when he comes back, and that's what Jesus said to every one of those churches in Revelation. He's saying, if you overcome this, if you overcome the coldness of your heart, if you overcome the the deception of the lies of to live immoral, if you overcome pride and arrogance and self sufficiency that comes with materialism, those three big things, if you overcome this, Christ says you will share in my reign. You will have all this when I come back, and so much more. You will reign with me forever. You'll share in the fullness of my kingdom. In the fullness of my pleasure, you'll eat of me when you deny yourself the feast of this world. I want to ask you, what what are you denying? What are you denying? You sit at home during this time of lockdown. You sit and you've got the entertainment that you want and you can eat what you want. What are you denying? And it's not just during this time of lockdown, because this is the the lockdown, where, where you went into lockdown is the way in which we live. And I'm asking myself this, what does my life portray about my hope in the kingdom? What does my life portray about my hope in my kingdom? How am I teaching my kids about the kingdom of Jesus which will come which will be amazing? If I give my kids everything that they want and if I give myself everything that I want, if I don't live any sacrifice for anything, and I'm not just saying sacrifice for the point of sacrificing, you know what I mean? I mean using what I have to witness the gospel of Christ, to extend the kingdom of God. If I witness what I have and if I hold on to what I have for myself, then Christ says, well, you'll have your reward now. But store up yourself treasures Jesus says, because your Father in heaven sees and will reward you openly. When Jesus comes back, you'll have your reward. If I live what I live, that shows that there is a hope of the gospel which is bigger than what I have now. And I'm asking again, what does your life show about your witness, about your hope? Because the, Paul says to the Colossians, yes, Christ is preeminent of a creation of the redemptive world, his church, and he will reconcile all things to himself. And he says, if you hold on to the gospel, and if you hold on to this hope that we have in Christ, how is your hope doing? We, we spoke about hope quite a lot. I'm going to close down now. I recognize that I've been speaking for a while now. But I've been, um, I've been actively hoping for a while now and during this time of lockdown i want to ask you how do you hope how do you vision what do you envision about Jesus' return you that suffer that are afraid of sickness and disease can you imagine when jesus comes back a kingdom without any disease or sickness or fear of death in any way maybe you went through a cancer scare and um, you survived by god's grace i want to ask you again you're afraid of remission maybe now or maybe there's someone in your family with a heart disease or maybe with schizophrenia, or maybe you're just afraid economically. Imagine a kingdom where there is no lack, where there's no fear of death. Maybe you're struggling because you're just, racially you've been oppressed. Maybe as a white person looking for a job, or as a black person, you've just been looking at strange for a long time in your family, or in the, in the, in the shops where you go into. Maybe your background is back. Imagine a kingdom where every race and tribe and tongue is really equal before Imagine a place where you go to a sea to swim with your kids and you're not afraid of the sea. The sea won't be a danger to you your kids won't drown anymore. Imagine a kingdom like that. And that's what Jesus says. That's what I'm coming back for. And Jesus says, I want you to witness. Church, your role in this world is to witness my reign. You are called to witness my reign. We are not saved to enjoy life for ourselves. We are saved and drafted into his kingdom army to represent his reign. And Christ says, therefore, like he says in verse 19, if in this world only, I hope I'm most pitied of everyone else. But there is a kingdom. Christ, Paul says, there is a kingdom that Jesus is coming back and is calling us back to him. I want you to evaluate in this time and maybe in this day, and as we read through the rest of Revelation, to make sense of suffering in this world. And at the moment, we, are, we have been very isolated. To, very, to many of the sufferings. I'm going to say that things will change. And I'm not speaking doom. I'm just saying that things will change. Reevaluate your call as a disciple of Jesus, to be a witness bearer. And if there's one thing that I think we as a church are good at, like the churches, it's our good works, our benevolence, our kindness, and many of you, generosity. I want to encourage you to continue to be generous, how you witness with your money, what you have for yourself, and what you give for God's cause those great causes that we do have. But I also want you to think about your, work, your, your position and your vocation at work. In which way do you witness the reign of Jesus? In which way do you witness that there is a living hope in Christ Jesus? I'm going to pray for us. And I want to encourage you to, as a family, maybe just discuss this. I know that this message is not really a kid-friendly message in terms of the context. As the evil said, but I, I recognize that. Thank you, Melissa, for all the kid stuff that you bring to us. It's really amazing. But I want us just to take a time and to pray in this week and to reflect, how have I witnessed Jesus in the past? Of what is my life a witness of the kingdom? How is my life a witness of Jesus' kingdom at all? How is my life a witness of Jesus' kingdom? When people look at my life When people see how I spend my time, my money, how I entertain myself, when people look at, at, at what I do with my position, my privilege, what job I look for, the question is, In which way do I witness Jesus' certain coming coming kingdom? More than just the words. Yes, the words. Amen to the words. But more than the words. How, How do I show what I value? What I hold on to? What I hope for? And this is my challenge for me and for you today. I'm going to pray. Thanks, Bernie, for facilitating the service. Thank you so much, Greg, for leading us in worship. I really appreciate that. Father... I thank you, God, for your grace. I thank you, Jesus, for for the living hope that we have. The gospel, Lord, is a message of hope. That your kingdom overcomes everything else. That your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, God. That you are one who reigns in peace, God. That you are one who tramples every form of immorality, every form of seduction, every form of of abuse of power, God. Every sickness, every disease, every plague, God. That your kingdom will come, Lord, and when you come, there will be no more lack, no more sickness, no more disease. There will be peaceful sleep, God. There will be peace on earth. And Jesus, we're looking forward to that. And you've called us to be witnesses of you, God. Thank you for your rich provision, God. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us. Thank you for, for what you've given to us. God, but we pray in Jesus' name that as a church, that you will deliver us of the lure, of the slumber that comes with comfort, God, the complacency that comes with comfort, God, and the compromise that comes with with comfort, God. I pray in Jesus' name that you will help us, God, that by your Spirit you will move in us, that you will revive us, God, to deny ourselves living lives of witnesses that show that when Jesus comes back, things will really be amazing. So I'm willing to willingly suffer for a while, I'm willing to willingly give of myself share of myself, pour out myself, like Paul says, like a drink offering being poured out to God, knowing that my, my gifts and my sacrifice will be honored by Christ. God, we pray in Jesus' name that you will awaken in us a heart to pray for your church, for families, for the nations, God, for the world. I pray that you will awaken us to, to sense what you're doing. God, Jesus, we know that you are moving in this. Help us not to be stuck behind, to be left behind when you move. God, as a church, we pray, let us move with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.